This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today, and I'm excited to be joined by Jean Ann Larson. Jean is the Chief Leadership Development Officer at the UAB Healthcare System, one of the great healthcare systems in the country. She's also the Chief Learning Development Officer at the School of Medicine for, for UAB and the University of Alabama System. Jean Ann, we're going to talk to you about leadership today and some of the things you see, some of the things you do. You've got this great, great career and great thoughts and, and persuasive and personal abilities on leadership. Take a moment and introduce yourself, if you don't mind. Yes, thank you so much, Scott. And again, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here, and it's a pleasure to be talking to you about topics that are near and dear to my heart. So, I mean, you introduced me with my titles, and it's really an amazing thing. I've been at UAB now for just under five years, and it's really kudos to the vision of the leaders of the health system, the CEO and the dean of the School of Medicine, who came together about five years ago and said, wow, to really help UAB be effective, you know, we really need to invest in our senior leaders and we need to provide resources and tools. So I feel like I walked into this great opportunity and kind of how did I get here? It's a bit of an unusual path, as I think most people you find in what we do. We have interesting paths, but um, I started my career in healthcare literally as a process engineer. I have an industrial engineering degree, and I started working in healthcare, passionate about healthcare, helping people improve it, you know, really bringing frontline folks together to, you know, make situations better, to improve processes, provide better care. But the higher up I went and the more I was in the organizations that I was with, I began to realize how important leadership was. It kind of all comes down to leadership. Um, we can do wonderful things, but um, we can literally amplify our efforts under great leaders. Uh, so I literally began to immerse myself in that field, ultimately achieved a, or received a doctorate in organizational change and leadership because I really wanted to learn more and figure out how I could bring that to organizations. So that's kind of how I got where I am right now. Um, again, just you know, having the ability to work with super and, and incredibly passionate leaders to um, create better environments. It, and you've got great leadership in Will Ferniani at UAB. Yes. <laughs> talk, talk for a moment about about your role in 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 in. in Define it for us again, Chief Leadership Development Officer, your role and the top priorities. What are your top three priorities in the role of, of trying to help leaders develop themselves, helping grow better leaders? Talk about your top yes. priorities in that role. Yeah, yeah, absolutely got top priorities. But, I mean, kudos to Will Ferniani. Also, kudos to Dr. Selwyn Vickers, the, the uh, dean in the School of Medicine, because literally they had the vision. And they brought me in to say, hey, we need to create leadership development opportunities and engagements, if you will, with some of these extremely smart, motivated leaders, some already here, some who will be coming on board. So one of my first things to do was to really almost view it as a consulting engagement and reach out to folks and really learn kind of what some of their challenges were and how can I craft, if you will, some of this body of knowledge to help them solve problems, to help them build their teams. Um, but my top priorities, and this is top priorities, part dream, part, you know, part hopefully reality, is to make sure that leadership development is not a luxury. And this often happens in organizations, hey, you know, you're great, you can go off and, you know, we want to give, we want to recognize you and you can have leadership development. But I would really hope that everyone would be required to create and implement a leadership development plan. And I'm slowly working my way through the organization at certain levels to make that happen. 
of course, I and my team want to be part of that process and, and make it something that's doable and make it something that's implementable and realistic. Um, and what this means practically is we had a great plan, a great map, if you will, of where we were going with this. We had to unfortunately put a couple of those programs on a temporary hold because of COVID uh, as well as some financial issues. But literally, you know, we want to get back on that. Um, my other priority, um, and again, it's been really the vision I've had since I've gotten here, since I've really been doing a lot of leadership development, even as a consultant, is to work with intact leadership teams. Scott, I'm sure you're aware there's been a lot of research, um, very good research on the fact that, you know, you need to do team training for clinicians. And I would argue it can be extremely effective for leaders as well. We learn when we, you know, work with our intact teams, you know, and we're learning new concepts We're using those concepts to serve real world problems. Um, we can, that information is actually stickier. We remember it, we can implement it. Easy example, one of our topics is needless to say conflict management. But if I'm learning that with my intact leadership team, um, we can make it real. You know, what are the conflicts we're dealing with and how are we going to apply these concepts and this knowledge? Um, I guess, uh, a personal priority for myself in terms of continuous improvement for me is to continue to create, develop, and get better at my own facilitation skills. I want to create opportunities for leaders to safely dialogue and learn from one another. Um, uh, the more I do this, the, the more I realize it's less about the content and more about the dialogue that I can help create among the team. In some systems, some healthcare systems, have famously invested in leadership training, just like GE did in the old days under Jack Welch, or, or more recently systems like Oshner Health, have really got out ahead of this. Do you ever look at other systems and say, UAB has done a magnificent job of this. Here's two or three systems that we'd like to model ourselves after in our leadership development programs as well. You know, I mean, and UAB has been, been magnificent at this. But are there other systems you look at and say, they're really good at this, at developing the next level of leadership, continuing to develop their leaders and retain and recruit their leaders? Any thoughts on, on what you look at as models or how you think about developing a great program? Oh, absolutely. Um, constantly looking at different organizations, especially developing that next level, I think, is an ongoing challenge. Um, and I know certainly one of the organizations that um, Will will often cite is SHARP you know, taking a look at them and how, how they're doing some of that work. Um, you mentioned Auctioner, you know, they're out there as well. And it's always looking at them and looking at how can we modify it too, because I think the leadership development also needs to be um, sensitive to the culture and what you're trying to create. Um, and I know, um, you know, in the past, an organization I was passed in, in Detroit, we were doing some of those things back in those days. And it was a great learning opportunity in terms of, you know, how do we develop these different levels of leadership? And I do compare myself all the time, <laughs> certainly in terms of, you know, what resources do we have? Do we have the right resources? Where are we focusing our efforts? And what is the priority for UAB? So that's an ongoing effort. Um, and I'm, I'm part of a, I call it a share group, but it's other people that do what I do. And we're constantly, you know, sharing those best practices, calling each other up, how are you doing this? Is this working? What would you recommend? Um, and really, how do, we, how do we do this better? And in my, in my opinion, I think, unfortunately, healthcare, and you mentioned, you know, obviously GE and there's other organizations out there, we were not necessarily the first at the table. And I've been pleased that in the last, I'm going to say at least 10, maybe 12 years, 
healthcare has really understood that, no, we have got to, you know, really invest in leaders and really offer people these opportunities. Shirley, when you look at your role, what do you love about what you do? When you think about what you do, what are the parts of it that you just absolutely love doing? Oh, wow. Um, first of all, I think what's truly amazing is I get to partner with some of the most intelligent, dedicated professionals anywhere. And for example, when I meet with a senior leader and meet with a chair, these are often, you know, very much seasoned leaders for the most part. So, you know, how can I work with them and help them achieve their objectives? And I would say what's really interesting about it is they both challenge me, they also inspire me, and I also learn from them. So I think that's, that's what I just love about it. Um, and having that opportunity to to be at the table with them to re- to create a new culture. Talk about if you're working with a leader and trying to have that leader strengthen his or her skills. What are a few pieces of advice that you would give to an evolving leader generally? And I know it's going to be very situational based on that person's yes. strengths or weaknesses. What kind of advice would you generally give to leaders? Well, it's interesting. I had somebody once ask me, it was almost an unfair question, but I think I had a good answer. They said, okay, what is one thing you would do to improve your leadership skills? And what I was able to say, and I've got some more to say about that, but it's literally work on improving your emotional intelligence. And I'm obviously not the first person to say that, but um, literally work on it. And the rest of the advice I would have is somewhat related. I think the other thing I would tell them to do, whether, again, evolving or in whatever stage of their leadership journey, really figure out their own values. Um, who are you? What do you bring to the table? Why do you want to be a leader? Um, you know, do you really like people? Do you want to see them succeed? Kind of what are your assumptions about leadership? And really do a deep dive into that, do some reflection. Um, and then that starts to, you know, kind of lead into that self-awareness piece. Um, I would also recommend they never stop learning and continue working on improving that emotional intelligence, self-awareness, self-regulation. And a part of it that's very important to helping that is (laughs) self-care. And I was just having a conversation with a leader. It is so important because if we're frazzled, if we're ill, if we're sleep deprived, no matter how, how much emotional intelligence we may have, we can't, um, we can't tune into it. We can't use it if we're just frazzled. So I I preach a lot of self-care, self-awareness, emotional intelligence. And then I think my biggest don't um, is I would advise people, you know, don't micromanage. And if you do, and sometimes we do when we start out as brand new leaders, figure out why you're micromanaging. What is it that you can't let go of? Really figure that out because I see in many cases that um, that can be so disheartening to people. Um, you know, it can really disengage them. It can cause them to leave. It can cause them to doubt themselves. Um, and sometimes you'll see people that have been micromanaged and it, you know, it takes, takes six months to a year for them to kind of recover from that. So that to me is a big don't. Um, and interestingly enough is often when I'm asked to, to work with somebody who's challenged, micromanagement will be a piece of it. Fascinating. So, so really, a lot of leadership starts with an emotional intelligence, and I think we, we see that in people, either great emotional composure and intelligence or not, and your point is you can work on this to get better and better at it, but if you're going to be your best at it, you better also be self-aware and be taking care of yourself as great self-care. If you're not taking care of yourself, and that doesn't mean a spa day every day, but it means taking care of yourself mentally and physically so you're able to bring your best emotional intelligence to bear every day at work. I think great, great advice. 
And this issue in micromanaging is so, so important. And you got to figure out what the problems with you, whether you're hiring poorly, or why are you micromanaging? It could be a million different reasons for it. But one way or another, if you get in the pattern of micromanaging, you would say, Jean Ann, largely a disaster. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And it's very just disheartening for people. It just, you know, really, you just see it sucks the spirit out of folks. And that's not what we went into leadership for. You know, we're trying to help people be their best and be productive and contribute to the organization. Um, and, you know, anytime we're, and, and I look at healthcare, we have some of the brightest, most highly educated, passionate people in, in probably any industry. And then for us to feel that we have to micromanage them, that just doesn't even make sense. So. Certainly. And, 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 and take one more moment, one final question. It's been a really difficult year for so many people between COVID-19, between racial justice and racial inequities. It's been a very difficult year. It, with, with that backdrop, what a challenging year. When you wake up in the morning, are you largely optimistic about the future? How do you view that? Um, yes, <laughs> I am optimistic. I mean, it, it's, it, and I always have hope. I mean, it's one of those things where you have to be realistic about the situations that we're facing, but you still have to, to go forward. And um, I have been very, you know, certainly it's, it's hard to be in healthcare and not be inspired by healthcare workers and what they've been doing. But I see that uh, certainly, certainly in our organization, um, things seem to be turning around a bit. Um, you know, our, our patients are coming back to us, our community is coming back to us. Um, so I'm very, very optimistic with respect to, you know, the racial justice issue, which has just been devastating and, and, and is worrisome. We're finally, at least, I think, having conversations. And I think for many of us, we're waking up. So for any of us that may have had the assumption that, well, things are you know, better than they used to be, I think we're learning that maybe not so much. And, and hopefully we're getting to a space where at least we can have those conversations and say, okay, if we face the fact that it's you know, not that good, it's not as good as we thought it was, now we can have a conversation on what can we do to make it better. So, yes, I'm optimistic. Certainly. <laughs> it, it, no, and I think that's a great perspective is that so many of us from outside perspectives have seen so much improvement from what we thought was there 50, 60 years ago. Yes. And what happens is the closer you look, the closer you listen, you see that there are still deep, deep problems in racial equities, racial relationships, and so forth. And I think you hit it right on that the closer we look, the more we realize it's, it's right in front of us. But there are still deep, deep problems in society and how to sort of fix those and improve those and, and make them better. So, no, I appreciate your thoughts on that very, very much. Jeanne, it's always a great pleasure visiting with you. I'm thrilled at the role that you've stepped into over the last several years at UAB. What a great role, and, and what a great thing to be a chief development leadership, chief leadership development officer. Fantastic and important role for any system of any size at all, even a small system, but a magnificent system like UAB is so important. Thank you, Jeanne, so much for joining the Becker's Healthcare Podcast today. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Scott.